This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbert III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and what I'm taking to the house actually is a compliment for the Washington football team. And I don't usually have compliments for them, but I saw online that they had hired uh, the first Latina as coordinator of football programming. Her name is Natalia Durantes. And then I saw that they've hired several people of diverse backgrounds in various leadership positions. So I know that we've talked extensively about how the NFL and other professional leagues have a lot of room to grow in terms of hiring employees and leaders that reflect the diversity that exists in this country. So I wanted to give kudos to a team that actually is. Victor, what are your thoughts? Thanks, Janine. I think that's great information to hear. As we look at the diversity of our nation, it's only fitting that the football team that is in the nation's capital leads a level of change in showing that uh, the diverse workplace is the way of the future. So hopefully many of the other teams within the league follow suit, uh, not only within the staffing and building of their corporate offices, but also looking at employing more people of color at some of those uh, management positions, the leadership, uh, i.e. head coaching positions. But as I look at that aspect of the sports world, I'm also confronted with my own, let's say, mortality or my own age. Who I am. I'm not old guy anymore. I'm not an old guy and I'm not a young guy. I'm just that dude. I'm in the middle. But I but I've come to accept my age. And my point here is Paul Pierce, you have to accept your age. I know I can play on Facebook because I'm familiar with the platform. I don't mess with Snapchat because I really don't understand it. And I'm still a little hesitant with Instagram and anything else out there. Look, bro. If you do not know that you're doing Instagram Live when you're doing something in your dark world, keep that to yourself. Bad, bad move, bruh. Good luck. We saw that ESPN fired you. Good luck on your next career choice. But man, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. Social media is definitely not your strength. <laughs> yeah, Paul Pierce, not a good look. And thank you, Jania, for sharing with that about the Washington football team. I appreciate that. And since you're giving out compliments, I want to compliment the NBA. And specifically, I want to compliment the players as a whole. Players for following protocol, NBA protocol, CDC protocol. There has not been any suspensions or postponements of games in the second half of the season. So I want you to just keep that up because I'm a fan of all sports, specifically the NBA. Please keep doing what you're doing. And may we be able to run this last mile of the race, if you will. So kudos to the NBA players and the leadership for having guidelines to follow and that they are following them. So let's go, NBA. Let's, let's run this last mile. Let's finish the race. Stay the course. Nice. So we just finished up the March Madness tournament. We didn't have one at all last year. And I know I was definitely excited to fill out my brackets and watch um, these games play out. So we just had the championship games for the men and the women. So were there any 
surprises from you, uh, for either of you, either in the games themselves or the tournament itself? What are your thoughts, Unc? Yeah, well, I didn't have a pony in the race, so it was nice just to be a fan and watch some basketball. You're right, last year we didn't have this, and so sitting back, I reflected on what we didn't have last year and was able to sit and enjoy. So let's talk about the women first, if you will. Vic, let, let's talk about the women. We can transition between women and men, but I want to talk about the women in particular. Stanford, Cardinals, congratulations. Congratulations. You actually tried to give that game away. You should have lost, but you maintained, you survived, you hung in there. Coach Bendevere, I want to say salute to you. Congratulations to you for being the winningest uh, women's basketball coach. And I'm thinking about programs like the Yukons. I'm thinking about the Tennessees. And Stanford is really not that far behind as far as getting on that, uh, in that platform and doing well and excelling in that uh, medium. So congratulations to the Stanford Cardinals. Vic, what are your thoughts, sir? Great game, sticking with the women. Uh, again, I'm a Pac-12 guy. Check out that, USC, class of 98. So to watch a Pac-12 championship game, to watch a March Madness tournament game in with two Pac-12 powerhouses, it was great. Obviously, we spoke about it last week. One of my high school classmates is Adia Barnes, uh, class of 94, Mission Bay High School. So it was great just to watch what she's able to do with her team, she's able to do alma mater it came down to the wire the point guard for arizona wow i i fell in love with just watching women's basketball this last couple of weeks and just seeing the tenacity of the point guard for arizona then obviously keanu williams point guard for stanford who also has ties to san antonio family as a member of the dad's church so to watch these two powerhouses go at it you could not have walked away with that game uh with your head down either team and so it was It was very entertaining. I'm heartbroken because someone had to lose. And to see Adia had to, to take that L, that, that kind of hurt. But uh, the point guard, Erin McDonald, she had that final shot. She had the opportunity. And, again, defense clamped down and held them back. But, again, congratulations to the Stanford head coach and the Stanford program. That used to be a, a team of the 90s. Uh, the women's team was the powerhouse. And so I did not realize that. Uh, the head coach had uh, such a stellar record when I start thinking about the Gina Ariamas of, of the college uh, football ranks, uh, sorry, college basketball ranks. And, and uh, so it, it was great. It's very entertaining. So uh, I'm excited to see what's, what's in store next year. Hopefully they can build upon this platform, uh, particularly for the Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 sports in general, as we look at the men and the female, uh, men and the women, uh, with Pac-12 that we do in a tournament season. So, Victor, I got to say, because you mentioned that last shot, I'm I'm torn, right? Because they were obviously going to her. She's the best player. But she was also, like, triple teamed. I know there were at least two people on her. And one of the – there was someone that was open right there in the, in the corner, like wide open in the corner. So I got to know, how do you all feel about that? Are you – of the mindset where you live and die with that last, your best player taking that last shot, knowing that there were only six seconds left, there wasn't a lot of time to, to make too many decisions. But, um, you know, you got two or three people on you and someone's wide open. Like, do you make that pass? Should you make that pass? I'm in a camp where LeBron James used to get crucified. Make the best basketball play. 
if you're the best player on the court, I need to trust that you are the, the one of the smartest players on the court. Your basketball IQ needs to be superior. So make the best basketball player. I agree. If you're triple team, double team, then you got seconds now. That means there's at least two other players that are open. So as the best basketball player, I wish you would have found the best basketball player because even the shot she took was a little off. Uh, what'd you think, Unc? Well, it's easy to sit back and be the Monday morning quarterback. What if it worked? But we would be making the same discussion, having the same discussion right now. We know about the Kobe Bryant's where two or three were on him and he took the shot and made it, you know? And we weren't talking about somebody else was open. We're talking about how clutch he was or Michael Jordan, how clutch he was. And so I, I actually agree with you, Vic Engineer. Somebody else is open, you thinking, okay, because this fell in particular, this plate fell, kick it out, get a better shot. And even after she took the shot, somebody else had another shot and it rimmed out. And so one play, this one play, if we break it on down, yes, it would have been nice that they she kicked it out, made a better play for somebody else who was more open than herself with three people on her. Hindsight 2020, right? So switching gears to uh to the men. Okay, we had the possibility of the first team to go undefeated all the way through in Gonzaga. And I'll be honest, I didn't pick against them on my written bracket that I filled out before uh, the tournament started, and I never wavered. I was like, I just can't see it. But I'll be honest, they were out of it to me when it was 23 to 8 in the first half. Like there were no parts of me that thought that they were going to turn that around. I don't know. I mean, I don't follow. Y'all know I didn't watch a, a, a ton. I'm much more into the tournament than the regular season. But those boys on Twitter, they were talking about um, Gonzaga needed to get in the weight room. And because um, Baylor was just they were they were throwing them around. I mean, to, to watch yes. Gonzaga play and. You know, I don't know if the championship to them was against UCLA, but it just, they couldn't get it together. Not to take anything away from Baylor. They're definitely the better team. But um, yeah, those were kind of a few of, a few of my thoughts. What do you think, Victor? I think Gonzaga is still searching for their mouthpiece, a la Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. After that first quarter, <laughs> right at those first three minutes, when you saw that score, they were done. But I really think something to the point of that UCLA game, you go and was it almost double overtime? I mean, the minutes that they played in that UCLA game had to be draining and then to turn around 48 hours later and play. Baylor obviously seemed a lot more refreshed because they blew out their team, Houston, like they were just, you know, a JV team from high school. So, but as Herm ever said, you play to win the game. Everyone, the thing, what I've about the tournament, it's a game of attrition. You have those rounds starting from 64 down to that championship. It's no longer necessarily about the best athletes, but it's about the best condition and who is still healthy, who can still muster up the intestinal fortitude to play ball because you're all good at that level. So what they had had expended that energy against UCLA and that emotional and that physical drain, I think they had to play in it. But Baylor was on another planet. They look nasty. What do you think about it, huh? First, I want to say congratulations to both teams. Uh, to steal words from you, Doc, is uh, 
to get that far, congratulations, Gonzaga. Congratulations, Baylor, for seeing it all the way through and being the 2021 champion. So how many ways can you get beat? They got beat offensively, defensively, on the boards, hustle points, every which way. Baylor took it to them. Gonzaga didn't even look like the undefeated team. Baylor actually did. Baylor looked like they had more to play for. They were just looked hungry. And so you, did Gonzaga lose or did they just get beat? I say they just got beat and they got beat down in a real way, every which way. Hustle, hustle, hustle. The game Gazaga normally plays is just efficiency, backdoor cuts. We talked about that a week ago. But Baylor made them speed up everything. And so they were not as comfortable. They weren't in their comfort zone. I'm talking about Gonzaga. weren't as comfortable shooting their shots. They didn't get many second uh, chance points. Just got beat. Just Baylor just faster. They were stronger. They were not intimidated by the record that Gonzaga brought into. And they just played harder. And so they beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga didn't lose. They got beat. I want to share a little backstory. Drew, coach of the Baylor uh, Bears, um, took over the helm in 2003. Do you guys know what happened in 2003? For most who don't know, there was a, a what's his name, uh, Patrick Dennehy or Dennehy got shot, killed by another Baylor Bear basketball player. And so I think his name is Patrick, but forgive me, it was Dennehy nonetheless. So Scott Drew takes over in 2003. They're on sanctions. They're a, a, a program in disarray. And he said at that press conference, we're here to win the national championship. It took him 18 years, but he finally got it done. How he took over for, for our program that was devastated in shambles to get this far. And I'd like to see that the AD and the, and the, and the Baylor uh, community and leadership sticking with them this long to allow it to, him to see it through. So congratulations to Scott Drew. Congratulations to the Baylor program. Switching gears slightly, staying with basketball, NBA, we got 20 or so games left. It's almost, we're almost to the wire, okay? We got playoffs coming up. We got rankings. We got play-in. We got injuries. We've got um, players moving teams. So how do y'all feel about where the league is? Obviously, the three of us are, are Laker fans, so we are vested in that. But how do you feel about uh, the teams, East and West, and the contenders and the pretenders? Like, you know, who's who's surprising you right now? I'm staying consistent. But right now, the song that's buzzing in my head is just my imagination running away with me. In three weeks, you have seen me go through ups and downs with regards to my Lakers. Three weeks ago, I was panicking. Then last week, I was excited because we got Andre Drummond. And then he pulled a I'm going to get you sucker and got his big bunion toe blown up, and now he can't play. So now all three of the, the big three that we're supposed to have is on the shelf. So in that regard, I, that could be one of my big surprises is where in the world are my Lakers? So as I had to put them on the shelf and this hope we stop the bleeding temporarily over these next 20 games, the teams that definitely surprised me that I've really been sleeping on is the Phoenix Suns. I had no idea. I had no idea. These two are really, they're, like, they're really playing with a chip on their shoulder. 
I did actually watch the Utah Jazz game and then the Denver Nuggets. Those three teams are surprising. Um, I wonder when you look at the Clippers in the West, the Lakers, it's not the same team. Uh, how many of those teams that made a deep run in the playoffs were just conserving their energy and their time for the play season? Uh, you know, for the uh, for the postseason. So that's 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 some of my surprises in the East. I'm really surprised in the Boston Celtics. Really surprised. They are falling really quick. And it's it's sad to see. Even as a Laker fan, it's very sad to see because you know I want the best of the best. And when we're at our best, I want the Celtics to be at their best so we can always have that clash of the Titans type thing. So it's very rare over the last 20 years that we've had two of our best teams at the same time. Uh I've already called the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets as the Eastern Championship Finals game. And I still give the nod to the 76ers, one, because they've played together for the whole season, minus an injury or two uh, from MB. But their core has been intact, and I trust their coach. Brooklyn Nets still have not got all three of their players on a team, and they're still trying to reload. Interested with the Bucks. So the big surprise, obviously, in the East for me is the Celtics. Out of the heat as a defending champion, uh, Eastern, uh, Eastern Conference champions, uh, not really in that top three, top four tier. I'm really interested with Jimmy Butler will do with them in the next 20 games. But again, they had a deep postseason run uh, last offseason. Uh, but overall, I'm actually pretty entertained uh, how they've been able to package uh, the NBA. Uh, what are you thinking about, huh? The team that my co-host here, Dr. Janine Hoover, was talking about was Atlanta Hawks. Let me tell you about the Atlanta Hawks. They moved up to the 14th in the East. Since firing the coach, guess what? The new coach, he's interim or he is a permanent coach, Nathan McMillan, Millen, was named coach of the year, excuse me, coach of the month. I'm sorry. So congratulations. Actually, I didn't see that coming. You're playing better as a Hawks team with a different coach. Kudos. Great job. Will you see it through? So Nate McMillan, great job for you. And Jania, take to your gun. Nobody else called it. Nobody else saw it, but you did. So I'm paying attention to But You know what? Let's go play the lotto tonight. Me and you. Let's go. What are your numbers? Text it to me. We're going to win. <laughs> so injuries right now concern me. And the reason being is because the tempo is so high. It's uncrazy right now. Some back-to-backs and they're playing every two or three days. And so it's not the shoes. It's not the footwear. It's just the up-tempo that they're playing that I believe is the contributing and the major contributing factor to the injuries that are going on. Harden right now, hamstring. You got KD. Uh, he's coming back from a hamstring issue, but heck, he's been gone about six weeks. You got AD. We don't know what's going on with his tendinosis because there's no been there hasn't been any update. And LeBron, what did you wear? He just got rolled up on. So you get 230 pound, 250 pound guy going at a high velocity of speed, roll up into him from the on the hindsight. I ain't going to a result. But I believe some people are playing actually possum with these injuries. I think they're building up actually for the stretch run, if you will, and to the playoff run the second season. So some of these injuries are legit. When you talk tendinosis like AD in his calf, that's legit. That's real. But this long, that's another question. So uh, uh, um, I think the cream will rise to the top in the end. You you talk about the 76ers and the Nets in the East. I say uh, Lakers win healthy. 
They're still the team to beat in the West. They still got to prove themselves once they get and fully assemble themselves. Uh, when you spoke about the tendinosis for AD, if he comes back too early, are he in, is he in jeopardy of pulling a rupture of Achilles tendon? Very good question. Yes. Um, back in the days, it would be career ending. Okay. Uh, even just having an Achilles tendon tear would be career ending back in the day. But we, the modern science now can lead to uh, rehabilitation, repair, rehabilitation, and come back, depending on the age of the individual. AD is relatively young. But tendinosis, opposite of tendinitis, tendinitis is just the inflammation of the tendon, the Achilles tendon, which is one of the strongest tendons that we have in our body. But tendinosis, the sheath, the material that, that makes up the tendon, the tendon wants to start breaking down. So yes, it can lead to a rupture and to a tear. And so you have to be very, very careful and cautious so that you don't have this uh, flare up and hopefully go away with medication, with, with uh, modern technology again, icing, uh, hyperbarics if they want to, he can come back. And he should have been back, in my opinion, already. But we know AD, he's prone to injury, and I think they're saving him for, again, the stretch run. Uh, so they're not being forthright with all the injuries. That's good. I mean, I remember when KD was having an injury towards the end of the season a couple years back, and they kept him on the shelf. They brought him back, and then he ruptured his Achilles in the middle of the championship game. So when I see how he handled his injury, and I'm watching AD, and I'm hearing the word tendinosis, for KD, the word with the tendinosis is a calf strain. And so I, I like what you said. There are some of these players or some of the, the teams playing possum but when I say anything about Achilles, I start getting a little, a little alert. Um, yes. The, the other question, yeah. the other point you made up regarding the Eastern Conference, uh, I was, I was, I was curious about the Western Conference. So if the Lakers are healthy, I'm picking the Lakers to be to represent one of the teams in the Western Conference Finals. Who do you see matching up against them in a Western Conference Final matchup? A great question, uh, Denver. I think Denver is on par. I think Denver is even better than the Clippers. And we haven't mentioned the Clippers, but Denver with picking up Aaron Gordon, uh, 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 JaVel McGee is going to, he's going to help depending on the matchup. But I think Denver is the, is what we have to fear. The Jazz are still good. They're very efficient. They're best coach. What, one of the best players in uh, Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb, Don, Donovan Mitchell, uh, MVP caliber uh, play this year, but, I don't think they're as good as the Lakers when healthy or Denver currently. Unc, I do agree with you with the Denver Nuggets. One person that has really rised out of the, the ashes, so to speak, uh, I'm thinking about the young man, Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, uh, I have my eyes on him because he went to my other alma mater, Missouri, uh, but he got injured. And so last year, when he displayed in the bubble, okay, you know, it's okay, made this guy, he's, he's, he's something. But what he's been able to do this year is he's coming into his own. They're creating their own big three over there. So definitely <laughs> I do see uh, some signs of rock roll when I look at the Denver Nuggets because they're young, they're hungry, they're angry, and they have a whole lot of confidence. And to know that their coach also is familiar with LeBron, it's one of those things where he has insight. So – I would be interested to see that Western Conference Finals game. That team does scare me. So it would be interesting to see this next 20 games uh, play out. As we uh, wind down, I got to ask, 
as it relates to the Major League Baseball and their decision to move the All-Star game out of Georgia due to the passage of uh, a controversial bill that restricted, basically makes it harder to go. There are lots of different requirements and things that you can look up, but it um, makes it harder for people to vote. There was some outcry and they decided to move the game out of Atlanta and they moved it to Colorado. My question for you gentlemen, is that a sign of more change to come? Will other leagues follow suit? Or is that like a, I'm gonna say this hashtag and make it look like I'm supporting the cause, but I'm not really gonna change anything meaningful. This is just what's hot right now. What do you think, Unc? I'm, I'm glad Major League Baseball actually recognized what's going on. So they appear to be woke. Moving the All-Star game was a great and smart thing to do. I understand it. I hope people understand and get the message behind why they moved it. They moved it to Denver, to Coors Field. And so thank you, Major League Baseball. Thank you for bringing attention to what's going on in Georgia. That, If nothing else, let everybody be aware of what's happening, what's going on with those voting laws and how they're trying to make it difficult for people of color, if you will, because it's not happening anywhere else, right? So thank you, uh, Major League Baseball, for doing that. What I'm proud to see with Major League Baseball doing that is that it, rep it has the least amount of African-American players in that league. Unlike NBA or NFL, where you have preponderance of the players of African-American descent, not in Major League Baseball. So for them to take that bold step, I think that's great. It shows a lot. We're a year after the the uh, the summer of uprisings in America, and so this is the time where we don't need to see all the corporate sponsorship uh, uh, commercials. We need to see action, and for Major League Baseball to take that action against that city, Atlanta is is all about baseball. I mean, we we talk about the significance of Atlanta. Uh, Again, it's not a it's not an indictment on Atlanta. It's an indictment on the state of Georgia and what they're making these political statements. And so to see baseball take a leap, just like NBA did last year when they had uh, the T-shirts and people, they, they, you know, they faced a lot of uh, backlash for some that didn't support the T-shirt and trying to bring awareness. The baseball says, OK, what is our corporate image? What is our image? And for them to take that stance, it's kudos to them. And I would like to see what other leagues would follow. Now, fortunately, NBA had already had their their All Star game before the passage of this vote. So, would would the NBA done something like this? I don't know. But I mm. kudos to to Major League Baseball for doing that. This time, as usual, it always goes by way too fast. Um, for my final burn, it was funny, Victor, that you mentioned some questionable decision-making on the part of Paul Pierce and some of those negative repercussions that he experienced. My final thoughts relate to Deshaun Watson and some of the decisions that, that he is alleged to or accused of making. And my only thing, they're going to play it out in, uh, in the courts as well as, you know, we'll see what the NFL decides to do as it relates to these now, I think it's over 20 allegations of sexual assault or improper content uh, contact during 
um, massage appointments that he had. And my thing is just make good decisions. If whatever contact or touching that you want to do for those that are working and you go and do the training for sexual harassment and it's like, oh, I don't want to watch this. This is boring, blah, blah, blah. But the point matters if whatever joke you're making or whatever request you're making isn't consensual. And by consensual, the other person is not giving you a very extremely enthusiastic yes. It's just a no. And that's okay. You don't want to put yourself in a compromising position that can end up. I think at last count, I saw that uh, Beats by Dre had dropped his um, in their endorsement. Nike had dropped their endorsement. So you just don't want to put yourself in a position where people have to wonder about your character. So look at what happened with Deshaun Watson and use that as a warning for yourself. See you next week. My closing thought is one of Kumbaya. I'm just proud to be a, a member of this show with my niece and my nephew, Dr. Hoover and Dr. Herman. I wanted to say thank you. We are whole when we're all together. Jania, we missed you last week. It's great to have you back. And just may the Lord continue to bless you. Steve, our producer in the background that makes magic when we can't see it, to you and your family as well. That's my closing thought. See you next week. It is great to hear that Tiger Woods is recovering. However, we know about 10 years ago, he had a small car accident because his wife had beaten him with the golf club. This time, reported that he was speeding excessively. Where is he running to or where is he running from? Inquiring minds want to know. Again, will that come out? I don't know. but. Do please heal safely, make wise decisions. And on that note, let's take it to the house. See you all next week.